Are you glad to have an opportunity tonight to lift up the name of the Lord? To lift Him on high? Why don't we do that right now? Why don't we lift up our hands all over this place and thank God for His goodness? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday and just to lift up the name of the Lord with God's people. Amen. It is great to be in church. Amen. Why don't we turn in our Bibles, the book of Zephaniah. That's in your Bible somewhere. Go to Haggai and turn right. Go to the Gospel of Matthew, turn left a little bit. Amen. If you have a Cambridge Wide Margin Edition, it's page 1092 in your Old Testament. Praise the name of the Lord. We have been talking all of the month about praise and about worship. And I want to talk about that, but perhaps from a little different perspective, from the perspective where God sees us. In uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, beginning at verse number 16, says, In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I want to teach, preach, preach, talk. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. There might be a little bit of inspired yelling in between. Amen. But I want to talk to you tonight about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Amen. Why don't you be seated in the name of the Lord. Amen. You know, uh, the joy of the Lord is an amazing thing. And we want the joy of the Lord to be in our lives. Isaiah 51 and 11 says this, Therefore... The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing in his eye and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy. So joy is something that we can obtain. Joy is something that we can gain. Joy is something we can add to our life. What is joy? Well, according to Mr. Webster, joy is the emotion evoked by well-being success or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Amen. I think we all want to have joy in our life. I don't believe that it's the will of God for us to be full of doubt. I don't think God wants us to be depressed. I don't think God wants us to be down, despondent, in the dumps, weighted down with the burdens of life. I think that the Lord wants us to be full of joy. I think he wants us to be able to smile in spite of all of the circumstances of life that we're going through, in spite of the trials, in spite of the hard times. I think that the Lord wants us to have a positive outlook. Isaiah 61 and 7 says this, For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. It goes on to say in verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. 
My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath, he hath covered me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels, for as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. God wants to put inside of his church, God wants to put inside of you and I a testimony of joy. That no matter what comes against us, no matter how hard we have to fight against the adversary of our soul, no matter what circumstance there is, no matter what situation there is, we possess joy. Amen. That's what God wants for us. Psalm 27 and 6 says this, And now... Shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me? Therefore will I offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. You know, sometimes singing comes as a sacrifice. Sometimes you don't feel. Anybody, any, anybody ever been there where you didn't feel like worship? You didn't feel like praising the Lord? You didn't feel. Sometimes you don't even feel like going to church. But when you go anyway, when you make the sacrifice, say, you know what? That's just what I do. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to church regardless of the circumstance. I mean, I'm going to praise the Lord in spite of how I feel. God hasn't called us to live by our feelings. God has called us to live by faith. And when you live by faith, sometimes you just go and say, well, you don't want to just go through the motions. Well, sometimes that's all you got. Sometimes that's all you got. Sometimes it's just, I'm just going to church because that's just what I do. Amen. And you do it anyway. So the scripture says that he would lift up our head above our enemies. Amen. Doesn't say we won't have enemies. Doesn't say that we won't have adversaries. The scripture never promises that there'd never be battles to fight or problems to face. But what the scripture does promise is he would lift us up above it. I mean, he will lift us up above our problems. He will lift us up above our issues. He will lift us up above our adversaries. No matter what, doesn't the scripture say, no weapon formed against you shall prosper? doesn't say the weapon won't be formed. It says the weapon will not prosper. Why? Because God is going to put inside of us a fountain of joy. He's going to give us everlasting joy. He's going to allow us to obtain joy. I like Psalm 126, it says this, beginning with verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall, not maybe, not might, not 50-50, not mm, if you're lucky. But they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Verse six, verse 6 says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. I'm telling you, joy is our possession. Joy is our promise. Joy is our destiny. God has called us to possess joy, to own joy, to inherit joy, to have it. You know, when you have something, you just, you just have it. It's just there. If you've got money in the bank, 
You don't worry about having a flat tire. You've got money in the bank. You don't fret about buying groceries. You, you got money. You, you just have it there. Amen. And when God gives us joy, he doesn't get, he's not an Indian giver. He doesn't just give it to you, take it away. It, he gives it to you. You possess it. You own it. You can't always explain it. Sometimes God will give you a peace and God will give you a sense of well-being when there's, when all of the evidence around you says, no. But inside, there's something that says, you know what? It's going to be all right. God's going to see me through. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fret. God does not want us to fret. God does not want us to worry. Both in Isaiah 51, 11 and in Isaiah 61 and 7, there is a phrase that says, joy shall be. Joy shall be. That's the fact of the matter. Joy. Somebody's going to have joy. Someone's going to possess it because it's a promise. I don't know about you, but I've made up my mind, no matter what comes or goes, I'm going to be one of those that's joyful. I'm going to have joy in my spirit. I'm going to have joy in my heart. I'm going to speak words of joy. I'm going to live a life of joy. Praise God. We've got to own it. We've got to accept it. We've got to believe it and say, I don't care what comes or goes. I'm going to have joy. I will possess joy. It's a reality. Jeremiah 31 and 31 and 11 says this, For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and of the herd. And their soul shall be as a watered garden and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then... Shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together? For I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them, notice this, and make them rejoice from their sorrow. Amen. You know, we go through stuff. And and I'll confess, I, I spent about a decade of my life as the president of the local chapter of the Poor Me Club. I had a really long pity party. And, 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 and so I know what it is to live through. I'm not, I'm not talking out of lack of experience. I know what it is to make wrong choices. I know what it is to suck my thumb for a really long time and feel like, you know, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why, why me, God? And we're all capable of doing that. And I got to tell you, it's not a real fun way to live. There's not a lot of benefit to it. People don't want to be around you when you feel sorry for yourself. Just newsflash. I don't know why nobody wants to talk to me. Well, look in the mirror. Check your attitude. Ask yourself, would I want to be around me? And if you don't want to be around you, then that's why nobody else wants to be around you. Joy is a reality. Someone's going to possess it. Someone's going to own it. And God has not called us to live in sorrow. I'm not saying pain's not real. I'm not saying sorrow's not real. I'm not saying trouble doesn't devastate you. I mean, things come to One of my best friends recently lost his wife of 30 plus years. And I texted him the other day and he, he, he said, I, I, I don't see how this was God's plan. And I just said, bro, I feel your pain. 
I, I, know what, I, know what you, I, I don't know what you're going through, but I understand the question. What, why God? Why is this happening? It's hard to see the handwriting of God. And it's like, all I feel is pain and all I feel is hurt. And all I feel is, is, is despondent. But in the middle of all that, you can still choose joy. You can say, you know what, God? I want the joy of the Lord in my heart. I want to look at you and realize, amen, that I've got more on my side than is against me. I've got something, Lord, that you've put inside of me and I'm not going to let it go. Praise God. Peter wrote it this way. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifest tempta- manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know what we really need to do as a people, what you really need to do as a Christian, what all of us need to do as born-again believers is take a stand in our life and say, I'm not going to allow circumstances to predict my praise. I'm not going to allow troubles to diminish my worship. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to be joyful in the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness no matter what I've got to go through because I realize that my hope is in God. My joy is in God. My promise is in God. My strength is in God. Everything that I need, I find in Him. And He's never failed us yet. Praise God. Praise God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So that's the joy. Amen. That is the joy of the redeemed. Realizing, hey, I've got a choice in this. I can choose to be joyful. It really is a choice. I choose to be joyful. I choose to grab onto joy. I choose to find, amen, the silver lining, if you can say it that way, in the cloud. Amen. And then we're... Our response is when we're joyful, when we come to the house of the Lord, we're not here for ourselves. We're not here just to get ministered to our, but we're here to minister to the Lord. We're here to offer God praise. We're here to encourage somebody else. We're here to give God worship. We're here, amen, to draw closer to the Lord because we're not looking at our circumstances, but we're looking to heaven saying, God, my joy is in you. And the amazing thing is when we come to God with that attitude, God will open up our eyes to some stuff. You know, we're not the only ones that worship God. When we worship the Lord, we are not alone. There is an unseen realm, amen, that is all around us, amen. Hebrews 12 and 22 says this, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Do you realize tonight that there are angels in this room? There are angels all around us. When we worship God, angels worship God. Amen. Angels worship the Lord just as we do. Just because you can't see an angel doesn't mean they're not there. Psalm 103 and 20 says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice 
of his word. Psalm 148, 1 and 2 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. I believe Brother uh, Greg last week read out of Psalm 150 where it says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. I thought when I first got the Holy Ghost, I thought when I read that, that's talking about, you know, the firmament. Of, that's talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. That's not what it's talking about at all. The, 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 the Hebrew word firmament there is rakia. It means the visible arch or expanse of the sky. It's talking about the first heaven. Remember, Paul talked about a man. He said, I knew a man who in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell, but he was caught up to the third heaven. You've got the third heaven where God dwells. You've got the second heaven, which is the, the galaxies and, and the stars and the planets and all that. But the first heaven is the atmosphere that immediately surrounds the earth. And so the psalmist was saying when he was writing, when David was writing, he said, praise him in his sanctuary. But when you praise him in his sanctuary, I also want you to praise him in Rakia. Praise him in the, in the first heaven around. He was telling the angelic host, if God's people are going to praise, then you need to praise too. We may not be able to see you, but you should worship along with us. Praise God. Revelation chapter 5 verse 11 says this, and I beheld... And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. If you do the math. If you do the math out of Revelation chapter 5, you find out this is, again, where the church is gathered and they're magnifying the Lord in heaven. You do the math and you find out there's a bare minimum of 103 million angels surrounding the church saying, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. they're lifting up the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, amen, there is something dynamic that happens in the atmosphere when the people of God begin to worship God. There's something in the unseen realm that breaks loose. There's an angelica amen manifestation of power and glory and worship and praise oh hallelujah luke chapter two going to read beginning at verse number eight we are having christmas in july so this is appropriate to read do we still well the trees are gone oops that's okay we're, we're pushing it to today remember the tree that was right there Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I give you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13 says this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now to understand this story, what happened here, you really have to read between the lines. Because nowhere in the scripture is there a command here. God did not command the angels here saying, Hey, when the angel makes the announcement, I want you all to back him up with the choir. 
the angels were already there. The angels were already present. And what happened was, amen, when one angel began to announce the fact that God had come in flesh, all of a sudden the other angels that were there went, oh my God, we've got to say something about this. We've got to sing. We've got to praise. We've got to give God some glory. Praise God. We're talking about joy tonight. We're talking, you know, there's something about joy. When you got joy in your heart and you find a reason to rejoice, you cannot hold it back. It just comes forth. Praise God. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. One angel began to cry. One angel began to speak. And all of a sudden, things began to move. You know, there is power, amen, in the spoken word. There's power in magnifying the Lord. There's power in lifting up the name of the Lord. Could it be that what God is waiting for, amen, to move the posts of the door at your house is for you to change your attitude and say, you know what? I'm going to go back to be that praiser I used to be. I'm going to praise God. Amen. If I've ever praised God before, I'm going to praise God now. If I've ever been a worshiper, I'm going to be a worshiper now. I'm not going to allow the trials of life to quiet my praise. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So we're talking. Amen. We've talked about the joy. Amen. Of the redeemed. We've talked about the joy of the angels. But let's talk about the joy of the Lord. Jesus said in John 15, 11, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. See, what Jesus wants is for his joy to be inside of us, for his joy, amen, to be our possession. The scripture that is probably most quoted regarding the joy of the Lord, if I started, you could probably quote, probably everyone in here could quote it. Nehemiah. 8 and 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength, right? Everybody knows that. The issue I have with is that a lot of times people quote scriptures and they don't plumb the depths of it and they don't really think about what it's saying. Because everywhere I've heard that preached and taught, and it's always, man, if you're running the aisles, you're strong. Woo! I'm strong because the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's not what that scripture is saying at all. It's, saying, it's not saying my joy is my strength. It's saying the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, strength is not discovered when we seek to please ourselves. Strength is not discovered when we Take that philosophy of name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. We give God our list, our shopping list of God, these are all the things I want. Strength is not discovered in us when we are materialistic and we're temporal minded and we're selfish and we're self-serving. And we think, well, what's in it for me? You're not going to find strength there. 
But when you give of yourself, and when you sacrifice of yourself, and we say, Lord, I don't care if I get anything out of it all, but I want to bring joy to the heart of God. When we concentrate on the Lord and say, God, what I really want, what I really want my life to count for is for people to say, he really did serve the Lord. He brought joy to the heart of God. Proverbs 10 and 1 says it this way, a wise son maketh a glad father. Amen. We should live to please the Lord. We should live to serve the Lord. We make pleasing the Lord way too hard. You know, I want to serve the Lord. I want to know the will of God. What is the will of God? You know, the will of God is very simple. I remember I, when I got back, I got in church in Kennel, Washington. I was a whopping 19 years of age. Didn't know. I, I knew nothing about Pentecost. I came from a Catholic background. I had no idea what this was. I'd read one time, believe it or not, I was in jail, and I read about Pentecost in a in a autobiography written by a, a lawyer, and he was telling his story, and he had this one little snippet in there about he was from New York, and he went down to Alabama visiting his family, and while he was there, and he was also a Catholic man, he went down there, and he was with his aunt, he said, and at their church, they ran around and screamed and shouted and acted crazy, and I can remember as a Catholic boy reading that and going, what in the world? would cause someone to act like that in church. I mean, I went through the whole Catholic catechism. I went to Catholic school. I was an altar boy. You know, I was up there. I would ring the bell, wake people up when we did important stuff. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, we're doing something up here. And when I first got in church, I started teaching Bible studies one of you young men that, that I ran with to the Lord and they didn't last very long and they backslid. And I went to my pastor. I said, Brother Hurst, what? I'm afraid I'm going to backslide. My friends are backsliding. He goes, Brother Mitch, it's real easy. This is what you do to not backslide. I said, okay, what is it? He goes, number one, love God. I said, okay, I can do that. Number two, don't do anything stupid. I can do that. Really, all we've got to do to please the Lord is resist temptation and stay married to praise. Stay married to worship. God, I'm going to say no to temptation and I'm going to live for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to bless your name always. You know, when we are strong, we don't always feel strong. You ever watch somebody trying to do personal best? My youngest son, I lovingly call him the caboose. He was, in, he was in powerlifting his last two years of high school. And the faces he would make, it didn't look fun. And when he was trying to do his personal best, sometimes he would fail, sometimes he would make it, sometimes he wouldn't. But he didn't feel strong. You don't feel strong when your strength is being manifest. Jesus didn't feel strong during his temptation in the wilderness. He didn't feel, oh, I feel really strong. Job didn't feel strong at all during his great test of faith. And when you're going through a test of faith, you won't always feel strong. Amen. So it's important for us to realize it's not about how we feel, but it's about how we please the Lord, how we bring joy to the heart of God. And it should not be beyond our comprehension that God derives joy from us because 
He created us like him. And if you get joy from your kids, I hired a, uh, I hired a, a new project manager last year working with my company. And he just had, he and his wife just had their first baby Monday. And he, it's all over Facebook and he's texting. He was texting me today. How do I get this kid to take a nap? And I said, good luck. <laughs> I told him the old trick about put, strap the kid in the car seat, put it on the dryer, turn on the cycle. That's a good idea to try that. But I guarantee you that young man is going to, going to be so, pr- he already is so proud. I can tell you my kids, I'm so, you, you may, they may do so. I remember when, before I ever had kids, one of my best friends, when he had his, his first boy and he would text me, Hey, he, he rolled over in the bed. And I'm like, wow, the kid rolled over, you know, isn't that what they're supposed to do? But think about how we look at our kids. That's how God looks at us. That is how the Lord looks at us. Isaiah 62 and 5. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Jeremiah 32 and 41. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. We think God's up there with a rubber mallet waiting for us to make it mistaken. Squish us like a bug thousand times no. And then we read in Zephaniah, one of my favorite passages of scripture regarding the joy of the Lord. In that day, verse 16 says, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear thou not and to Zion, let not thy hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. That word joy is found twice in verse 17. The first joy where it says, he will rejoice over thee with joy. The Hebrew word is simcha. Simcha means exceeding gladness, joyfulness, mirth, or pleasure. The second word is gil. Gil means to spin round under the influence of violent emotion. The scripture is basically saying there that God is going to be so happy about us that he's going to begin to dance around in circles. Look at my boy. Look what my boy did. Look what my daughter did. Look what my child did. Praise God. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Job right? All the stuff that Job went through. If you read the story, read the first chapter. And the scripture says, there came a time when the sons of men presented themselves to God. And God said to the devil, where have you been? Now think about this. Just think about it for a minute. God, almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, everywhere at once, knows everything, is everywhere. And God says to the devil, where have you been? Now, do you think God didn't know? Do you think God literally didn't know where the devil had been? That is in the scripture as a message to you and I to say, from God's perspective, I don't really care where the devil's been. 
You know, we're like, oh, the devil's been after me all day. And the the Lord says, whatever. Fix it like that. And the devil didn't come to God and say, hey, man, there's this dude named Job. No. God said, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him. He's one of a kind. That's God bragging. That's God. You know, if you're going through a trial, you know what's probably happened? Somewhere a few days ago, a month ago, a year ago, God started bragging about you. Have you considered my servant, Landon? We go through a trial and we think, oh, oh, it's the end of my life. Actually, it's a testimony of God's confidence in you that they can go through this. I mean, the devil threw everything he possibly could at Job. Everything he could at Job. And the scripture says, at the end of it all, amen, what happened was, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. You know what happened when Job said that? God got off his throne and he said, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. That's my boy. That's my boy. Job testified in another place and he said, I looked ahead, he wasn't there. I looked behind, he wasn't there. Looked to his right, my right, looked to my left. I couldn't find him, but I know that he knows the way that I take. And when God, when Job said that, God said, yep, that's my boy. That's my boy. That's my boy. That's my boy. Praise God. When I, when I first got in church, um, there was a song. Um, I'm trying to remember who sang it. Uh, some of y'all may know if I start talking about it. I'm not going to sing it. I would love to sing, but none of the musicians know how to play in the key of off, so I don't do that. But there was a song that said, that's when the angels rejoice. When a sinner makes the Lord's choice. That's when the angels rejoice. Talking about the joy of the Lord, a lot of people look, look at um, Luke 15, the story of the lost coin, the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost son. And the scriptures, when people read it, they think, oh, well, when somebody repents, the angels, they all start rejoicing. The angels, they all start magnifying the Lord. The angels, they, the angels are having a party. That's not what the scripture says at all. That is not what the scripture says at all. Brother Chad, give me... Luke chapter 15 and verse number 7. Verse number 7 says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. It's in heaven. doesn't say the angels are having a party. doesn't say Gabriel's high-fiving Michael. doesn't say, you know, they're calling out for Pizza Hut and Getting some, getting some Diet Dr. Pepper. No. It says there's joy in heaven. Give me verse number 10, Brother Chad. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, what's the common denominator between there? It's in heaven. That's God, our Father, our Creator, our Lord, our Savior, in the presence of the... Does not the Scripture say that the angels continually surround His throne day and night? 
And when you read and understand the stories in Luke, Luke, Luke 15, it's the owner, it's the shepherd, it's the owner of the sheep that starts the party. It says, hey, I found my little lamb that was lost. Come on, let's have a party. It's the owner that's doing it. It's the little lady that lost the coin and said, you know what? I found that coin which I lost. Hey, come on, let's have a party. Let's celebrate this. What I'm trying to explain to us tonight is that there's an aspect of the joy of the Lord. Why do we worship? Why do we praise? Because when we praise and when we worship and we magnify the Lord, not just the angels get involved, but God himself will begin to dance through this place and bless us and change us and help us. Amen. Years ago, and I don't mean to be ripping a scab off Houston sports fans. If you're a, a mighty Cougar fan, I don't I don't mean to be bringing up bad blood or bad history or anything like it, but years ago in 1982, did, did you, were you able to get that clip, Brother Chad? Do you have that clip? Super. Years ago in 1982, there was a famous game, NCAA champ, National Championship. Houston Cougars, who were, by all, by all bets, by all those that professional progress, they're going to win. They had the upper hand. They had more skill. They, you know, Clyde, Dur- Clyde Drexler, Kim Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson. I mean, they, they were the team to beat. And they were playing the North Carolina Wolfpack. And coached by Jim Belfast, it went viral in our days. We didn't even say the word viral back then. They didn't even know what viral was. But there's a video clip I want to play you at the very end of the game, 18 seconds long. And I want you to think about the fact. I want you to go ahead Give me one more second and play it. Jim Valvano is beside himself and celebrating a win that his team did. And he runs out on the court and just looking for somebody to hug, just looking for somebody to embrace. And there's nobody. He's just running around like a man. You'll only see it for a few seconds. Go ahead and play it, Brother, brother Chad. There's the shot. There's the dunk. There's the win. And then here comes the coach. Here he comes. I'm looking for somebody to hug. I'm looking for someone to love. All I'm trying to say tonight on a Wednesday night is that's the way God is with us. When we do something that brings him joy, when we resist temptation, when we're, when we're strong in the midst of trial, God just comes into our presence. He says, I want to hug somebody. I want to love somebody. Is there anybody there that'll let me hug them, love them, help them, minister to them? Woo! That is why we worship. And that is why we praise. Brother Greg did such a phenomenal job. Pastor started it off at the very first Wednesday of this month talking about praise, worship, the difference between praise and worship. You know the thing that I find most interesting about the difference between praise and worship? Worship is one, is one directional only. Only God can be worshipped. You, know, you can worship other stuff, but it's not true worship. Only God can be worshipped. And God desires us to worship Him. But when it comes to praise, praise... Is a two-way street. Because God not only receives our praise, but God will give us his praise. Jesus said, when you've seen John the Baptist, this is the words of Jesus. 
None greater has been born among women than John the Baptist. That's saying something, bro. That is saying something. That's from the mouth of God. God will praise your efforts. God will praise your sacrifice. You may not ever hear it, but God will say it. Amen. You've got to learn to, you've got to understand. That's why praise is so important. Praise is the avenue whereby we can access the joy of the Lord. When we enter into praise, it will usher usher us into worship. When we enter into praise, it will take us to the dimension of joy. When we enter into praise, even when we don't feel like it, and we say, you know what? It may be a Wednesday night and I may be tired, but I'm going to praise God. Anyhow, why? Because I see praise will take me where I need to be. Praise God. Let's stand all over this house and let's just lift up our hands and give God, amen, 60 seconds of praise. God, we praise you tonight. We praise you tonight. We praise you tonight. We praise you tonight. We lift up your name, Lord. We magnify your name, Lord. We lift up the name of the Lord. We magnify you. We give you glory and honor and praise. God, we give you our heart, our mind, our strength, God. We ask you for a baptism of joy. We ask you to fill our hearts, Lord, with your joy. Give us a consecration, a commitment, a desire to please you, God. We don't want to please ourselves. We don't want to serve ourselves, but we want to serve you, Lord. We want to serve you in the beauty of holiness. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. God bless you tonight. Amen. I would hope that we would enter in, amen, to the house of the Lord every time we come into this place and recognize where we're coming. Amen. If there's any place, amen, that God deserves praise, if there's any place that God deserves your very best, if there's any place in the world that you ever attend, amen, that you ought to be, amen, on your best behavior and say, you know what, God, I'm going to walk into that place. I'm going to forget everything that I'm going through, and I'm going to get under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm going to be, amen, like, I'm going to lock onto you like radar, and I'm going to find, amen, a channel. I'm going to find an avenue. I'm going to find, amen, a way, amen, to hook up to the Spirit. I'm going to give God Praise and worship and consecrate my life in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord.